Hello ladies, we are in for a real treat tonight. My One of my very best friends, Cinnamon, is going to be talking with us about everything basically, just stress, um, COVID, dealing with our kids, dealing with our partners, and everything that's including being a human during this COVID pandemic. Um, so she's joining us. Aww. Let me just tell you, this is my fourth one of these, and that was the smoothest, because normally I'm like, hi, guys, let me just add this person. <laughs> feel very professional right now. Wait, where are you right now? I'm at my sister's beach house, and it's so wonderful. <laughs> I love it. This is my view, it's like right out onto the beach. I'm in a corner, and it. <laughs> are you in the closet? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Living my best life over here. Oh, actually, my sister has joined us. Hi, Shannon. Thank you and Blaine. We're having, I mean, do you just see how relaxed I look right now? It looks like I got Botox or something. It's wonderful. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying your closet, really. Yeah, thank you. you know, at least you're by yourself. I still have, you know, I yeah, couldn't get off the clock completely. We were on a tight ship around here. The babies were in bed about 30 minutes ago. So, wow, that's yeah, impressive. not messing around. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, which is basically everybody, Cinnamon and I met on the street, the streets <laughs> of Los Gatos. Meet <laughs> streets of Los Gatos. You were with your ergo baby, with Hopkins and your ergo baby. And funny fact is that, so both Cinnamon's and my firstborn are like, what, two weeks apart? Yeah. And then I got pregnant with Sadie and we were in Los Gatos again. And I was like, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant. And Cinnamon was like, me too. Surprise. <laughs> and now our kids are both like, both of our kids are only a few weeks apart. So yeah, the girls, the girls were like a few days apart. Really? Yeah. No, it's very exciting. But now you're leaving me moving in. So We'll try not to talk about that later. I'm sure it will come up in terms of like support systems or whatever. But... Okay, mm -hmm. let's just um, But why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Obviously, you're cool enough to be one of my best friends. So that says something. And then what does like clinical psychologist neuro, what does that mean? Like, what's... yeah, so yeah, I know my job is kind of a little bit confusing. So I'm trained as a neuro rehabilitation psychologist, which means that mm -hmm. I specialize in working with people who have sustained a traumatic or acquired brain injury. So have had a severe brain injury in an accident, um, or they've had something like a stroke, or they have a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's disease, MS, Parkinson's, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of run the gamut in terms of our care of those patients. So we assess their cognitive functioning or their thinking skills and see how their disease has affected their brain. Um, and use that information to kind of tailor their treatment around kind of their deficits and weaknesses. And then on the opposite side, so we do a lot of kind of mental health support in the transition with the disease. So whether they've just received a diagnosis um, of Alzheimer's disease or Huntington's or something like that, or in the transition through recovery post trauma. So if they've just sustained a stroke, mm -hmm or a TBI, that's obviously life-changing. And so we work with the families and with the patient and with the medical team kind of in the adjustment to injury changes to identity and stuff like that. 
I wish you were there. I think we've talked a little bit about my mom had a traumatic brain injury in a car accident. So I wasn't worked with as a family. So I wish you were there, you know, when I was young, I think I was seven, but it's a very big, you know, life change. And she had to relearn everything with her memory. And so it's a big yeah. thing. But now you're seeing patients like one on one, like, in the type of therapy that we all wish we had. Yeah, so I shifted gears a little bit because of the babies. So I needed something, obviously with you're working with that type of population, you work a lot um, and you work in the medical system. And so it just, um, it, which is much more kind of traditional in terms of its kind of hours. And it just wasn't working for us right now with having like two little, little kids at home. My plan is to go back to that at some point, but right now I'm currently in private practice. So I work in a group practice right now with a group called Pacific Anxiety Group. And so I'm running their neuropsychology clinic. And then I have my own practice where I see people there through therapy. So kind of more your like traditional road right now. Yeah. Which, you know, anxiety, that seems like something that a lot of us have developed, whether or not we had it before COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the stress levels out there right now are um, pretty palpable at this point. I think everyone's feeling it. For sure. Yeah. It's just been such like a big change to our day-to-day -day lives. Like I was telling CJ, I like you, but you know, maybe before we'd be together an hour and a half per day and now it's 13 hours per day. So literally you're with your partner like 13 times what you were before. And you know, like nobody likes anybody that much. I mean, I barely can handle myself for that many hours. So it's just been like a really big adjustment. Yeah, and you lot. and I, you and I were talking about kids, and that was kind of one of the things that you were like, "Hey, we should do mental health," because um, it's just it's a lot for everybody, and especially people with kids, for kids. Like, yeah. what do you feel like is the big? I mean, you're seeing patients right now, so you're talking to people about what's really causing them distress right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason this came up, like when I was talking to you about this is because I'm seeing patients right now over telehealth. Um, and the things they're telling me they're experiencing, I was like, secretly thinking like, wow, I'm feeling exactly the same way. Um, yeah. You know, and so that this is totally, these are totally unprecedented times, right? These aren't things that we could really plan for. And a lot of the skills and tools that we would encourage patients to utilize are just not available to all of us right now, right? So yeah. all, of our, all of our coping skills, the things we would normally be doing, we've been told we're not allowed to do. And then the people that we find social support from, we're either completely isolated and alienated from, or we're with so much that we've completely lost sight of of the positive aspects of them in some ways, right? Because we are so kind of overwhelmed and threaded, like flooded with uh, time with them that we just kind of, the the coping skills and things we would usually rely on them for, we're not even thinking about right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it is people, you know, the interesting thing right now is especially with kids, when you mentioned that is like kids are really having a hard time with this. I yeah. mean, as adults are having a hard time with it, but kids are, they fully rely on us, right, to kind of guide them and lead them through difficult transitions. And when we don't even see the end of this and we don't know how to take care of ourselves, um, it's like the blind leading the blind, right? And that, and then kids are, like, really suffering. They're really suffering. I know. Blind leading the blind feels very accurate. And I also, when you were talking, I was, like, thinking about, you know, four months out of 30, I mean, 21 years is 
just, you know, drop in the bucket. But if you're only three or four years old, that's like a sixth of your life. So the more time that goes on, the more that this is their norm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the big thing for kids, especially like between the, well, I mean, I would say for all of us, but for kids right now, especially their biggest thing they have, their biggest coping skill is their social rapport with other kids their age, right? And so not only are they not allowed to see their friends, but when they see kids like out in public, they're told to stay away from them. And the, the, the only thing they have in their lives, school, which is like where they see their friends, where they gain their identity, um, where they learn, you know, important social skills is completely gone. So they're stuck at home with mom and dad who are already stressed. Um, and then they're trying to figure out, navigate this themselves. It's really hard. It's, it's, and it go, I would say it runs the gamut. I don't know about Cohen, but Hopkins I, is acting out a lot and kind of, you know, I mean, I would attribute some of that to toddlerhood, but I would also say some of it is like he's just feeling the stress that mom and dad are feeling. And, you know, he's been pulled from daycare and doesn't get to see his friends anymore. And it's just, you know, so I would say even little, little kids are experiencing something. Yes. Everybody at work, I went back to work and they're like, how's the baby? And I was like, I would rather take care of five newborns right now than one toddler because he's driving me mental. Like yeah, he's really say, off the like, rails. <laughs> yes. Oy vey. Um, so in transition, actually, our first question was, how do I deal with my fear of, get of getting COVID? I'm an essential worker and I don't have a choice to shelter in place. And actually all of these questions, it's funny, they all kind of tie into everything that we talk about regularly anyways, but are talking about tonight. Um, so this, I could have written this question because I'm technically an essential worker and, you know, some people don't have much of a choice. They can't just stay in their home. Her, what is that word? Hermetically sealed or <laughs> like we all have to go out at some point. So how do we deal with the stress of like germs everywhere, basically, that are threatening to kill us? Yeah, I mean, the, the threatening to kill us part is like a total additional piece to the puzzle now, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it, it depends on what, I mean, all essential workers, it, I guess it depends, like if it's a healthcare worker, there, you know, there are certain things we would focus on more if it's someone who works in a grocery store or for UPS or whatever, um, it would be different, but there's some kind of bigger overarching themes. So it's interesting working in anxiety work right now, because uh again, the things we would tend to say, like, you know, how rational are these thoughts? And, you know, continue to kind of expose yourself to the fear. Um, those things aren't necessarily safe right now, right? So yeah. um, one of the biggest things that I've been telling my patients lately is, like, focus on the things you can control um, to give yourself some sense of stability and peace and, mm. and kind of learn to kind of change focus. So we let's just say you're the essential worker is a healthcare worker, for example, right? Mm -hmm. There's been many times in the past where you have probably been exposed to or been in an environment where you would have been exposed to things that were really unhealthy and could have potentially killed you. And you didn't necessarily think about it that way. I think obviously with COVID, like I said before, these are unprecedented times. Like these aren't things we've been thinking about in the past, but work, you know, working, around lots of people all the time, we're always exposed to stuff, even if we don't know about it um, yeah. as prevalently as we do right now. So it's important to kind of focus on the things you can manage. So one of which is your thought processes, right? So we want to think about 
as as these negative thoughts are we're being flooded with negative thoughts around like being unsafe or you know why do i have to come to work this is you know and resentful of people who don't and things like that okay. it's important to really check yourself and try to shift perspective so um you know focusing on the things you do love about your job why you have that job in the first place if you've got to choose that job versus you were forced into that position um <laughs> focusing on the things about it that feel life-giving versus kind of life-taking. So I always use the terms expansive versus contractive. So expansive hmm. would be the things that feel kind of invigorating and exciting versus the things that feel like they knock the wind out of you or or kind of like um, a burden to bear. So kind of focusing, focusing on more expansive stuff than contractive. Um, but also, you know, really just when we talk about like the small things you can control, a lot of that is stuff around self-care. Um, getting social support from coworkers is really, really important. Yeah. Um, that has been really nice. Like just seeing people because before when I was on maternity leave, I hadn't even like seen anybody. So that's definitely nice at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think especially because you, you then have other people who understand what you're going through. Right. So yeah they you can kind of all band together and that's where you can get your social support and an added benefit and bonus to that is that you are with them in person right you can see their face so we always say like get social support digitally and while that obviously has its benefits and you know thank god we have it versus not it's still not the same yeah. so if you can kind of get some social support from people you see like their actual face and you're with them in person um, that sense of camaraderie can be super, super important. Um, and then just other stuff like focusing on, you know, breathing and um, exploring how your negative thoughts are impacting your perspective every day and at work, um, you know, things like that, because we may not be able to control, I mean, you want to be as proactive as possible in protecting yourself from the disease. And that is something you can obviously control. But one of the yeah. big things we control is our thought processes, right? Uh -huh. So you want to make sure that you're really focusing on your, like how you're perceiving things, how you're thinking things, challenging your thoughts. Um, you know, and again, I would say normally I would push you to kind of um, push yourself beyond your fears, but in this particular <laughs> it's important to you know obviously recognize and check your fears but then also respect them too because it keeps you safe so it's yeah. a balance you know yeah it is but it's like dragging on it's our you know two weeks of being in your home not seeing anybody is one thing but now we're on like what month four so yeah eternity. it's just hard yeah eternity exactly yeah. <laughs> um actually this is cj's question i know they're supposed to be anonymous but um, what are the most common things we neglect that would help the most in terms of mental health? So some of what you were talking about already is like maybe digitally connecting to people that we know, whether or not that's the same, um, and controlling our thoughts in terms of like not being overcome with fear of dying from COVID, I guess. But anything else that's pretty like basic that we can do? Yeah, I mean, so obviously increased social support, even if it's digital, is really important. Um, even with things like that, if your family um, or friends are comfortable doing like a social distance, you know, meetup, hmm. make sure you wear masks, but obviously maintaining six feet. So yeah. um, obviously we both just had babies and it's been really hard not 
you know, introducing them to friends. I know. Um, I don't even think I saw Sadie till she was like two weeks old or something. I know. So, you know, and it I was like, here she is. Exactly. It was like Lion King, like holding, but you know, <laughs> that's something it's better than nothing. So that yeah. really can be important and valuable for a lot of people. Um, but maintaining good, healthy habits. So we're all out of our routines right now, right? So we're probably staying up later than we should. We may be eating worse than we should. Um, we may be eating worse than we should. Yeah, exactly. We're not exercising. So a lot of the stuff that, you know, I feel like, you know, healthcare workers are always saying this type of stuff, but it really is true. Like maintain your healthy habits. So get good sleep, work on your sleep hygiene, um, eat healthy, you know, take up a hobby, even like increased cognitive stimulation is really important. So mm -hmm. don't, you know, do things maybe that are kind of out of the box for you learn to cook, take a class online, learn a language. Um, like how I mean, have you been using this with a new baby? Like, I mean, well, actually, yeah. I'm not learning any languages right now. I'm not learning languages. That might be a bit <laughs> ambitious for me right now. But um, I am, I actually did order. So I got a blue apron as a birthday gift in May. Oh, yeah. Um, and I will say it's actually been kind of life-giving because we get a new box every week and I mm -hmm. get to learn something new. We get to eat a meal we wouldn't normally, you know, have, like when it's not your standard spaghetti or whatever. I know. Um, so things like it's that. It's cool that everything also is like, you don't have to go to the store and get all these different ingredients. They're already there. So it feels like a hobby. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's stuff like that. So also making sure like, you know, um, I think now you were just mentioning like we're in this for month four now. And so also just, you know, checking your attitude. Cause I think a lot of times we can just be like, Oh, why is this still happening? And this is going on forever. And that just makes it feel a lot worse. So yeah. I know but it is a lot worse. Like it's it really is bad. It's really bad. <laughs> um, and that's the thing too, is like be re you know, be realistic about it. So you don't, you know, this isn't all unicorns and rainbows all the time, right? This is really hard. Yeah. Um, and so just checking that reality, making sure that you, you know, you also have perspective, but also giving yourself the grace and understanding to know that we're all really, really stressed right now. These are not normal times. Um, no. A big important thing too, I would say is hope. So mm -hmm. having hope for the future for mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, even when I talk about like my neuro rehab background, people who've been injured, one of the things that gets us through is our resilience as human beings and hope things to look forward to in the future. Hmm. So I've been telling a lot of my patients, like, you know, plan for things in the future, plan for future events and, um, and work towards those types of things in your mind and get prepared for those going forward because hope can be absolutely, absolutely critical when you're in a really dark time. Yeah. I don't know what to look forward to right now. So, Well, you know, one of the other things, too, that, you know, not necessarily so far thinking, but maybe setting really small goals. So mm -hmm. we're all also very much out of our routines. And so mm -hmm. setting really small goals for yourself can feel can give you a greater sense of purpose when you're feeling a little bit wayward and kind of out in the dark right now. So what are some of your goals or things that you're looking forward to? 
Oh God. Well, I mean, I, you know, just had a baby, so I'd love to lose like, this isn't small, but I'd like to lose like 40 pounds or whatever. Um, whatever. Just a casual 35. Round up to 80 for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think for me, one of my goals is I've been stress eating a lot. So I definitely mm. big um, stress eater. I go to the sugar every single time. So mm-hmm. right now, one of my small goals is just to kind of start focusing more on healthier eating habits. And mm-hmm. I'm really starting small. So I'm, I'm taking it day by day and just kind of exploring like, cause I'm also breastfeeding. So diet is really important for that too. Right. But yeah. can I switch, you know, when I'm having cravings, you know, trying to focus on eating healthier snacks or um, setting a schedule around my eating. So I'm not eating around the clock, but I'm eating between mm-hmm. like, you know, noon and 8 p.m. only or whatever it is so mm-hmm. that um, I can kind of work on stuff like that. It's like intermittent fasting. I've been meaning to look into that. Actually, there's a doctor at my work who lost a lot of weight doing that. Um, and she's yeah. ready to rock the one runway now. And well, well that'd be nice. I mean, the other other thing too is exercise, right? So we're probably all walking our neighborhoods and I certainly, you know, I I certainly don't think that's like groundbreaking information, but I could probably walk my neighborhood with blindfolded at this point, but, (laughs) you know, getting out, you know, setting small goals like that, like getting out of a house for 20 to 30 minutes a day or talking to someone that you don't normally talk to every week, right? Just connecting with people that you haven't seen or talked to in a while is, kind of a nice way to break up the day. Yeah, because there's all these people and it's it's also comforting to know we're all experiencing the same thing. Like, it's not like I'm experiencing this and everybody else is like on Cancun on vacation. Like, we're all just kind of stuck. Um, but it it's also like, I think about the gray areas. It's almost harder, like when everybody was just sheltered in place and like nobody could see anybody. It was almost easier than now where some areas are more loose and others are not. And so some people are going out, getting out, doing things. And it's kind of like a little weird, especially on social media where you see people posting maybe that they're like going out tonight. And I'm like, oh, gosh, we don't, like nothing's open here. I can't go I anywhere. I know, which probably you're probably better off, frankly. But yeah. um I mean, maybe not from a mental health perspective, but from a public health perspective. Which is a good segue, actually. So let's say you're really, you know, starting to feel depressed and you want to talk to somebody. And you and I have talked about this before, how frustrating it is to try to get somebody on your insurance provider's counselor list to speak to. But like, what should you do if you really are feeling like, okay, I'm very anxious, I'm very, or I'm very depressed, or you know, I'm feeling strong emotions. I'd like to speak to someone professionally. Like, what would you recommend for that person? That's a great question. So um, right now, there are actually a ton of providers online through telehealth. Mm. And a lot of insurance companies, and always check with your insurance provider, but a lot of insurance companies have gotten a bit more relaxed when it comes to coverage for things like that. So Hmm. I don't actually take insurance except for Stanford um, Healthcare. Mm -hmm and Stanford is covering their telehealth appointments up to 100% right now. So there's no pay. Um, And so it's, you know, I think there's a lot of kind of access to providers online right now, which is one of the Mm -hmm. actually amazing benefits is you can see a, you know, a mental health provider from the comfort of your own home, which is a significant benefit for a lot of people. Because, you know, if you have other responsibilities, like 
you know, you don't have childcare at home and, um, you know, or you can't go out late at night because your babies are in bed or whatever, like you can meet with somebody from, you know, your living room couch. So that's pretty great. Totally. Um, but so yeah, check with your insurance companies because a lot of them have actually become a little bit more relaxed on their restrictions um, right now in terms of health care. But the other thing too is there's a lot of really great resources online. So the American Psychological Association actually has some pretty great resources online specific hmm. to COVID. Um, so if you go on to their website and just type in, you can type in, I think, APA COVID-19 resources. There's Ooh. a bunch of stuff on there. They even have a podcast. Um, I think it's called like listening to psychology or something. <laughs> it's like something really drab. But, um, you know, I think things like that would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um then there's also support groups. So that's another kind of avenue to explore. But, and, you know, if you want to look for providers, one of like psychology today is a very common website that has a lot of providers on it. Um, And you can always just see if those providers are taking people over telehealth and if they're taking insurance or not, Mm. you know, I'm not, it's not lost on me that therapy tends to be very, very expensive. So it's either $150 or $160 a visit, basically. It's like the going rate, right? It's probably, well, we're in the Bay Area, so it's actually probably substantially higher than that. Um, Oh, by probably about a hundred dollars, but wait, what? It's yeah, fifty dollars to see someone. Yeah, yeah. It you know, private practice like average in the Bay Area. That's a that's about right. So yeah. So you know, real. I mean, we could be here all night talking about the you know issues related to mental health access, but we don't want um, issues. We want answers. I know. So there, you know, mental health you know support is generally for the very very sick or, you know, where they get free care or for the very privileged and wealthy and everyone in the middle is kind of like not, doesn't have a lot of access. So I could talk to you about this in particular forever. Like, I just think it's a disgrace. I agree with you. I mean, I, I've even found it ironic that like myself trying to find a therapist for myself after I had Hopkins, um, I had a hard time finding someone through insurance or someone I could afford and I'm a psychologist. So again, It's not lost on me, but, you know, even if you can like squeak out one or two sessions, um, do it right. Like if, you know, again, it can be very expensive, but there's also ways to get around that. So you can find people who are trainees who are being supervised by someone where their fees Hmm. are bit cheaper. I know one of our, um, I actually just got an email today that one of our trainees um, is starting to see um, patients and she's charging $80 an hour, which is a downright steal in the Bay Area. So, um, you know, she's supervised by a psychologist who's licensed and gets all of her, you know, kind of support and supervision through them. But Mm -hmm. there are ways around it. Um, Also, hospitals often will have kind of group therapy, Um, the community, if you, you know, type in, um, well, there's NAMI, so the National Alliance of Mental Health, I think it's NAMI, National Alliance Mental Health, something like that. You can look it up, but they'll have stuff in the community that um, can be really helpful for uh, support on various things like depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, grief, things like that. Rob is here, your husband. 
little hydrant. Rob, are you in the living room or where <laughs> <laughs> is Rob? I don't know. I actually don't know. He was packing boxes a little while ago. Oh, don't remind me, please. Go back to packing boxes, Rob. Oh, no, Rob, stay. Stay with us. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, let's change wheels a little bit. So, but I always tell people, like, at least for our patients, check the number on the back of your insurance card and call that number and get a list of providers. Um, but between you and me, it seems like all of those providers will not be accepting new patients. And then. Well, I mean, you know, I, my biggest piece of advice for that is just be really uh, aggressive and be a good advocate for yourself. Cause it can get very daunting um, and discouraging when you keep calling and calling and calling and either no one calls you back or they're full. Um, but the other thing too is some insurance providers mine did this for me will work with you so you can call and say i have called all 22 pages or whatever of providers you've given me and not a single person can take me mm. and sometimes they will let you see someone out of network and give mm. you partial reimbursement for that so mm. a lot of my patients actually that i see um they submit all of the bills that I, the statements I send them to mm -hmm. their insurance companies and will get partial reimbursement. So oh, some are really great at that. They'll get like 80 to 85%. Some will wow. get very little, but it's worth asking about what your out of network coverage is. And something that I've like said or thought about is if you're really at a point where you're like at your breaking point or like in a marriage, if you're like, I cannot stand this person right now. Like even let's say it's $250. Like is your marriage not worth $250 or like is your mental health not worth, let's say 150 is kind of like a, an average or a hundred dollars. It's like, even if you just have, like you said, one session where you can kind of get somebody to really help you refocus, like that's going to be the best $150 you've ever spent because mm -hmm. you're really at that place where you're at a at a breaking point. Like, and every, I think everybody, you know, unless you're really down to the dollar with paying for your food and electricity, like, you know, maybe go without some other things to really just pay for at least a session to, to have that support. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, the county does offer resources. So if people are, like you're saying, can't, you know, even afford to buy food, obviously don't, you know, use your money to go see a therapist, but maybe, um, you know, use the county resources and see what's available in your community. I mean, it really only takes a Google search or two to like really figure that out. Um, but you can also ask some therapists if they're willing to do like 30 minute sessions and cut the oh, session in half and then those, that's it can a good idea. be a little bit more affordable. You'd be shocked at how fast 30 minutes will go by, but, um, you know, there are lots Especially of, for me, I'm like, yeah. you know, buckle up woman. <laughs> chat. But there, you know, there are lots of resources. You just have to do a little bit of digging. One last point with that, you know, when you talk about the cost of therapy, and I said to be an advocate for yourself, be an advocate with your family members too. Because if you are saying, you know, I want to go see a therapist and people are like $150 an hour, like it can't be that bad. You know, if it really does feel like something you need to go talk to someone about, it's totally okay to be unapologetic about needing mental health support. And just going and doing it without, you know, kind of needing to find an excuse or, you know, mm -hmm. work your way around that with the people in your home. Yeah. 
especially growing up, my family like never went to therapy. So that's like a newer thing for me. So when I first heard how much therapy costs, I was like, what are they doing to you? Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, there's also rapid, like kind of more like first aid crisis type therapy. So where it's much more expedited and a little bit faster paced, but more structured. So it's not kind of like you, the way you envision most therapy where you like lie on a couch and talk about your mother for 20 years. It's not like that mm -hmm. at all. It's more like, you know, five to eight sessions at most. And, you know, it's a little bit kind of more expedited. So there's options. So you just have to kind of um, you know, people can always reach out to me and ask me if I have any recommendations. I'm happy to help. Okay, I wasn't tagging you in a lot of these things because I didn't know if you wanted like messages about this, but sure, if you're I open to it. No, totally. Oh, I will. All right, let's um, see if we can crank out some of these answers. Is there an alternative to meds for postpartum depression? I don't like how the meds make me feel. And I also don't feel like this is limited to postpartum depression because meds in general for psych are going to change how you feel right so so postpartum depression specifically is a little bit tricky because it the depression is not only adjustment related right in the transition in life it's also hormonal so that kind of makes it a little bit harder to um to come up with like alternative treatments um mm -hmm. if your postpartum is bad enough that you felt like you needed to go on medication, it might be important to work with your um, prescribing provider to try different medications. Um, there's specific ones out there that are more geared towards postpartum, especially for breastfeeding mothers, mm. but it would, um, you know, it would be important to maybe kind of explore the options before you knock out meds as an option altogether. Mm. But that being said, so it, Generally speaking, when we look at medication to help with mental health treatment, um, I think because we come from more of a Western medicine approach to things, we tend to be very generous in giving and taking medications. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with taking medications and it can change people's lives, especially from a mental health standpoint. However, I always, the analogy I always use with my patients is um, basically if you are in a boat on a lake or something and your boat is sinking you your medication is like patching up the hole but it's not a perfect patch right so there's still a little bit of water getting in it's helping the boat stay afloat but it's you're not necessarily going anywhere there's no direction it's just kind of helping you where you're at <laughs> therapy on the other hand is like giving you oars so you're able to use the oars to find more of a purposeful value-based direction and get off the lake and go somewhere else right so you're no longer interesting so i i research shows that in if for pretty significant mental health issues both medication and therapy combined is kind of the most effective form of treatment. However, that's for kind of more um, treatment resistant types of mental health issues or very severe depression, very severe anxiety, things like that. But we don't want to see you on meds forever, right? That's not ideal. Yeah. We want to give you the tools to be able to manage your mental health symptoms on your own if you can because it gives you um, a greater sense of self. It gives you more confidence um, and it helps you in the long run, be able to rely more on, on yourself to be able to work through stuff. 
life isn't perfect. It's going to be hard. We're all going to have ups and downs, especially now. I think we're all, a lot of people who felt, people who felt like pretty stable and level-headed um, are struggling right now. We're all feeling maybe a little bit anxious or depressed or angry or sad or whatever it is. Um, but we don't want to all rush out and get medication, right? We want to um, use the skills and tools we would learn in, in things like therapy to uh, be able to manage these things and be more resilient on our own. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can go to therapy, that's great. If you want to kind of go the self-help route, also really great. Um, but if, you know, specific to postpartum depression, it might be important to kind of look at what your options are for medications and fully recognize that it's actually temporary. So you yeah, won't really be on an SSRI forever, right? You might be on it for a couple of months at most, and then you can kind of explore other options. This is like a tool to get you through the big adjustment period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's not, if it were just adjustment related, then I would say like, you don't necessarily have to be on medication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be maybe more kind of focusing on things like, um, you know, if you can get therapy, but also just kind of focusing on a- additional social support. So I, I will say being a new mom is super, super hard and can be very lonely and isolating, right? Mm-hmm. So increasing social support. One thing that really helped me as a new mom is I did a lot of kind of research and read a lot of stuff around childcare and how to even be a new mom because there's not a lot of, you know, people kind of, maybe that's just the type A kind of sciencey part of me, but it gave me a greater sense of control in a situation where I felt very much out of control, right? You don't know if you're a new mom, you don't really know what your baby's going to do or what it's going to be like or how you can manage it. And so building up um, greater knowledge to be able to establish a routine and things that were more predictable was much, uh, was more helpful for me than anything I did on the other end, to be honest. so interesting. I never have had a routine. And when I like oil and water when it comes to I know it (laughs) which is actually great for people to hear I feel like because I've had friends get like really upset about their babies not sticking to a routine and I loved what this pediatrician I interviewed said she was like people ask me how important routines are and for the first one they're very important for the second one maybe not so much but like really ask yourself is is how I'm you know routine or not routine is what I'm doing working for the family and if so great if not then look into maybe getting more of a routine but you know like if you're functioning without a routine then there's no reason to have a routine just to have a routine right right. yeah yeah it's know your strengths and weaknesses right and then capitalize on your strengths so you know for me like I am a very routine kind of driven person and I like things where you know where I know where they are and to be able to kind of have things to be a bit more predictable and so that's what works Mm -hmm. for obviously it's not you know the best for everybody but um it's a it really what I'm getting at more is like it's about finding the things that give you a greater sense of control right so if it's scheduling things Mm. or you know having additional social support or making sure you kind of have a more established routine whatever it is that makes you feel like more in control um when we're talking about the adjustment perspective to motherhood and also mm-hmm. frankly, actually their parallels with COVID, um, you know, yeah. those are the things that are really, really important to hold on to. Hmm. I like that. 
That's that's a good. Are these new hoop earrings that you're wearing, Cinnamon? Tell me. No, no, they're my Madewell ones. I wear them like every day. Yeah, I feel like I've seen them. Maybe you don't hair see very often. But... And also, my hair covers it. True. Yeah, that's true. Okay, this one I could have written myself, and there's two really good ones left that I definitely want to hit on, and we have 18 minutes, so let's... I'll keep my answers short and succinct. Laser-focused, please. Uh, I'm working from home, and my kids have no... Oh, I'm working from home with my kids. I think this question was like they had a baby, but it could be anybody. You know, I have two kids working from home, and I have no household help. How? Who and how do I prioritize? Like, you know, this is everybody has like a new life because we're we haven't been working from home before, and so like, how do you? What needs to be done? What should be done? Like, how do you function? Yeah, that's it. So, again, I'm gonna go back to routine. Routine, routine, routine is really, really important. So we are all very much out of our routine right now, right? So, a lot of my patients, but also family members, friends, are working crazy long hours because there's mm-hmm. no kind of physical uh, separation between you and the workspace anymore. So I think we're kind of, you know, all over the place. Our kids are going to bed later. We're eating dinners later. Our kids are getting up earlier. Like they're watching more TV, whatever it is, right? There's just a lot going on. All of the above. Totally. So, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I took a shower before like noon. So, um, you know, it's. I took one later. I mean, I don't. I don't shower very often anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so my point being is we're all totally off of our schedule. So setting up a schedule at home, even if it's a new one, can be very helpful for managing um, all of everyone's needs in the home. My sister just said we're not working from home. We're living at work now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. (laughs) Um, I mean – people that I've worked with who, you know, were working like a normal eight hour workday are now working like 16 plus hours, right? Because they have access to their work all the time. And so they don't know when to stop. So one of the recommendations I've actually given people set a timer on your phone for lunch, set a timer on your phone for to, you know, it's time to get off the computer and just turn everything off. Um, Set a very clear boundary with stuff like that. The same goes, I don't know, you know, how old this person's kids are, but. I think they were four months or something, very young. Okay, okay. so, I mean, obviously capitalize on naps. So that's when I get a lot of work done is during nap time. That's actually why I said, why I said we run a tight ship around here when it comes to sleep, because I really do squeeze a lot of my work in while the kids are sleeping. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other thing, too, is. Right now or not, this is not a normal period in our life. So I think as parents, you know, we tend to be very like hyper-focused on like, oh, not too much screen time or, oh, you know, I want my kids to eat healthy all the time. So that we need to be a little bit more flexible right now, right? So, But I was saying that like when this started, I like Cohen never used to watch anything. And now he like knows how to work a, a phone. He knows how to like work, work Netflix and YouTube and and everything it's been like I was like oh he never used to watch anything and now it's like all he does and and it and I kept saying oh it's temporary it's temporary like the pacifier snacks whatever but it's not temporary anymore this is like month four 
Yeah, I mean, we want everything in moderation, Tracy. So we don't want, you know, Coco watching TV all day long. But, you know, we do, you know, we want to give ourselves a little bit of grace here, right? So, you know, if you have Blippi, totally 100% Blippi. <laughs> I refuse. I, Cohen has not watched Blippi under my watch. I just won't. Well, okay, there's benefits to Blippi because it's actually also educational. So, like, that's where I kind of, like, that's how I sleep at night. But I'm sorry, but, like, know. I don't mean to, I don't want to, like, throw off anyone here, but I find Blippi very creepy. He's a little off-putting, but you know what? If your kid loves him, like, think about, like, the Muppets. The Muppets were also slightly creepy, creepy but, like, yeah, you know. but they're puppets, Cinnamon. <laughs> but there are people in those puppets, Tracy. But either way, this is besides the point. Laser okay. focus. So, um. So give grace if you're watching maybe just yourself. You just can't stop watching Blippi. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, if you can, if you need to put your kid down in front of the TV to watch Toy Story 2 for 30 minutes so that you can fold laundry or answer a few emails or, you know, whatever it is, do it. Like, mm -hmm. right now in the current circumstances, that might just be what you need to do. Yeah. Um, or whatever also, that activity might be. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is planning ahead. So maybe having a few activities planned out in your mind for the next day. And if you can, realistically, you know, I heard that this person doesn't have any help at home. But if mm. you have people within your immediate family that you're seeing, if you can ask for help, um, even for just a you know, couple of hours a week to be able to get some stuff done, take advantage You'll be of a that. new woman. Yeah, take advantage of that if you can, because you know, if, if that's how you're going to get stuff done, that's going to, you know, be how it happens. I think the other thing too, is just right now we're used to doing a standard eight hour work day, right? Like we go to work, we're at work, we're uninterrupted, we get our stuff done and we get out. Now it's really around cobbling stuff together. So if you've yeah. got to get work done at night, you've got to get work done early in the morning, whenever it is, you know, you find the time and get it done. Yeah. Except I've been really, since I'm an essential worker, don't mean to toot my own horn, but I get to leave the home, leave the children, I go to work, it's quiet there, and it feels like a vacation, honestly. I mean, yeah. just because otherwise it's like, you know, this with COVID especially, it was just like kids 24-7, and even if one kid was away, even just having one kid is a lot, and so... It feels really good to have zero kids. So if anyone can do anything to have zero kids, I be an recommend it. <laughs> You're basically saying like, go be an essential worker right now. Or just like find somebody to dump your kids on. Like, you know, make a bubble, make a new bubble. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the other thing too is all, so, I mean, I'm working from home right now. My husband's working from home right now and we are just kind of figuring it out. Um, it's mm -hmm. not easy. There's a lot of both of us saying like, I need an hour and well, I just got an hour. You know, it's like, there's a lot of us trying to figure it all out, but, um, mm -hmm. You know, I do a lot of my work during nap times. I also kind of stay up a little bit later than I normally would to get some work done. Mm. It's not, you know, I've been working on the weekends sometimes. It's not ideal. But again, you know, hope that this will not go on forever and just know that eventually we'll get back to some sense of normalcy. We can hope. I want to throw into self-care. I know it's like you're, you know, we're just talking about how are we supposed to cobble all this stuff together, but it's also important to take a break, give yourself some time to, 
do something that makes you feel like a normal human being and not just like self-care. I feel like I've, I read an article once that was like getting your nails done. Isn't self-care like, but is it? No, I mean, I think it's whatever makes you feel like a normal person. Right. So the things that make you feel like balanced and kind of more at peace. So it might be going for a walk, it might be meditating, it might be going to yoga or working out, eating well. I mean, it's might whatever. Might be getting your nails done. Might be yeah. getting your nails done. I mean, Rob and I have had this argument many times through COVID that like he thinks haircuts and hair salons and all that stuff is totally stupid and, and why we're all, you know, needing to go see our stylist. And I told him like, it's because we want to just feel like normal human beings right now yeah. when everything feels so abnormal. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I totally would argue that that is self-care self-care is just whatever makes you kind of feel a little bit more balanced and um and healthy Mm -hmm. my friend does own a salon and she it seems like you should not be doing your own hair at home like they don't want us to do that cinnamon they really need us to wait for them because otherwise we're going to f it up and yeah i mean their work is going to be so much harder when we come back I know my stepmom actually let my dad do her roots. And I was like, there is not enough love in this house for me to trust <laughs> Rob to do my roots. I think it would end in divorce probably, but you know, that's true love right there. Yeah. You can't ask a lawyer to do your hair. That's just, no, no. I mean, okay. it, I want- Rob could be a hairstylist and I would have let him do my hair. I would, I would just like die to see your husband Rob as a hairstylist. Like, sitting in his chair and having him be like, what do you envision for your hair? I just, I would no, pay to like, do that. Don't talk to me. I don't want you to talk to me. I'm just going to cut your hair and then I need you to leave. <laughs> and then I need you to leave. Um, okay. Last question. And this is also a very good question. And we have nine minutes left. How much will young kids suffer socially and emotionally from social distancing um, when they're used to interacting with other kids and going to preschool, like at this point, it's been like four months and you know, the first five years are super formative and this is almost like half of one of those years at this point. So how much are our kids going to suffer and what can we do to like combat that? Yeah, that's a, so I actually just read a really interesting article about this yesterday from a psychologist. Ultimately what it boils down to is our kids are going to totally be okay. I know that, yeah, I know that we as parents are very concerned about our kids' social skills and social development, but we are much more resilient creatures than we give ourselves credit for, our kids included. And so, you know, if you think about like when your earliest memories were, you know, like for, especially for little, little kids, um, Mm those things aren't really happening, you know, in terms of like who your close friends were or the things that really were like that invaluable from a social skills perspective didn't happen until like a little bit later or five, maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's obviously really important to um, build up our kids social skills, but if you think about it, there are lots of kids who don't necessarily have like huge social, like abundant social lives when they're younger because they have moms who stay at home who, you know, might work from home, but the kids don't go to preschool or daycare or whatever. And eventually they go to daycare or school and they thrive and they're totally fine. Right. Yeah. So I know it's, I mean, I feel this way with Hopkins. He's very extroverted. I mean, I know he misses his buddies. He asks about them all the time, but, um, you know, it's important to kind of 
be as you know kind of honest as you can with them about right now things are a little bit different and they're out of the norm um and but it's not going to be forever and we'll eventually kind of get back to where we can see our friends and family and things like that again yeah, yeah our kids are to, i talked about that some with um reparenting last week which was helpful for sure but also just you know I mean, the ki- not only the kids aren't seeing our friends, like, we're not seeing our friends. And Jimboree, where I had, like, I had gotten some gift certificates and had been taking Cohen to classes. Now they're doing virtual. And I'm just like, I don't want to go to virtual Jimboree class. Like, that just feels like a really big hassle. I know. We did a music class for a little while, but it basically ended up being me doing a toddler music class. So we'll have to, like, ran, ran around. You're like, um, ding. Yeah, yeah, I was like hitting a drum and throwing a scarf around all by myself. Um, <laughs> it's pretty pathetic. But you know, I just do the very best you can right now. I know it's really hard. But I mean, I understand this. We were at the creek a few weeks ago. And there were some little kids kind of playing further off down the creek together. And Hopkins really wanted to play with them. And I, I wouldn't let him go over there. Um, and it's really hard because you, you know, you don't want your kids to feel like they can't be around other children. We don't want them to be like anxious socially either, but yeah. you know, it, these are just, you know, this is kind of circumstance where that is kind of called for. The other thing too, is our kids, you know, initially we're all going to be a little bit socially awkward when we come out of this on the other side. Right. Cause we, other people for the last four months, but for however long this is going on, are a threat to us. We don't know. We can't see if totally. they are or not. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we're all going to be a little bit socially awkward when we're all done with this. But eventually we'll all kind of ease back into things and we'll be okay. Yeah. But it's a rough road. Like, even just not hugging people is weird. Like, you know, when I see people not work where I haven't seen them for four months, I'm like, hi, you know, I'm not hugging you. And they know, you know, they feel the same. But it's It's weird. It's very weird. Now that I'm saying goodbye to, like, people here, like, I saw my old supervisors the other night for, like, a little dinner. And we all had masks on. And, like, as I was, like, walking towards the table, I was, like, smiling really big. But they couldn't. So I, like, yelled out, I'm smiling right now. You know, it's like, um, you know, and I wanted to hug them all goodbye. But I didn't, you know, I didn't touch them. It just, it, it does feel, like, very, you know, bizarre and just, it's kind of sad, but I know, you know, especially I, with the masks. Like, I mean, really I'm smiling. I'm not smelling. I know. I'm smiling. Know. I'm not smiling. Like subtle. I, I put on, I actually put on lip gloss before I put my mask on for that dinner. And I was like, why am I doing this? This is like totally useless. Yeah, I was saying like, I'm going to save so much money on lip color, but then it was <laughs> like, I wanted the extensions and new yeah. everything. Yeah, I know. I've been much more expressive with my eyes, I've noticed, because I'm yes. trying to, like, compensate for the lack of, like, facial expression. Yes, like, walking down the hall at work, normally I just go, like, that kind of thing, and now I have to be, like, hi, guys! <laughs> you know. They're, like, here comes Tracy creepy eyes. <laughs> like, in, under my mask, I'm really going, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just so weird. We were at the beach and there's nobody on this beach. Literally. There's like four people as far as I can see. And we were kind of passing someone on the path and they were like, CJ was like, Oh, did you want to go first? Or like, do you want us to go first? Cause we were going to kind of have to get like roughly within six feet of each other. And they were like, well, since you're not wearing a mask, 
mm -hmm. um, we're gonna have to do this and like made this big deal about it. And I was like, we're outdoors. It's very windy. Like I didn't want to get into it, but it's just like everything, you know, like you just can't even go outside with nobody around without having it be a thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. But you know, I mean, think about like, you know, this will all eventually be that time that we had the pandemic, right? Where we like talk about it with our kids, you know, sitting in our rocking chairs someday and it'll, it, you know, we, right now we can't think about that. Like we keep thinking like, this is it forever, right? We are, we're stuck in this forever, but yeah. this will too eventually pass. This is temporary, even though it doesn't feel like it. Um, and is so it? it is, I promise you it is. Cause everything month four right? cinnamon, but think, you know, I mean, there are like wars have lasted for years and years and years and eventually they end and we read about them in history books. Right. True. So, this is like a war. A war I mean, against I would, an invisible enemy. I would say that people who lived through World War II would say, like, we probably have it pretty easy right we're now. We're weenies. Like, yeah, like, we're, you know, <laughs> they were, like, losing their lives or... Uh, and limbs, know, like, probably. Limb, you know, and we're, like, getting our pizza delivered for it. It's like, you know, we're get, we have Amazon. Like, we're not... And we're I'm not like, really, I can't hug anyone. Yeah, yeah, like, we're really not struggling that. But it's really a struggle. <laughs> they can't see when I'm smiling, you guys. Like, yeah, they no. can't see it. Yeah, so perspective taking, good perspective taking, Tracy. That's true, I'll give you that. But <laughs> it's temporary. Just keep that in mind. This will eventually end. I am like, my toddler can't play at the park in our neighborhood, but I bought him a blow-up jump house, and he plays with water balloons every night. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah, exactly. It's hard for him. <laughs> well, it's 9.29, and I'm going to actually, I'm feeling really good, because normally Instagram is, like, telling me that it's going to cut someone off, and I'm like, just so you know, <laughs> but I like this and I'd like to continue this privately between you and I, yeah. and we didn't even get to talk about, I do want to mention this because I felt like this keeps coming up every time I have a baby of the like invisible work that is involved with being, being a mom and how like so much comes on the mom. Like we get in the car and I'm like, do you even know what I've done to get us in the car? Like I've packed our bathing suits. I've packed our change of clothes, a diaper, a swim diaper sunscreen this this and this and like that always lands on the woman and um that could be a whole thing I could just have a whole thing with you I feel like yeah I would love to like if we if you want to talk about that like, we could talk about motherhood specific stuff at any point I'd be happy to do that if anyone has any other questions please feel free to reach out um, the other thing too just resources so obviously like when it comes to COVID stuff we want to encourage people to go to the CDC website, but then there's mm. also yes. the American Psychological Association and the NAMI's National Alliance of Mental Illness is a good one. N-A-M-I. N-A-M-I. And then Psychology Today is also a good resource. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. I'd love to do this again if you want to talk about the difficulties in mental health related to motherhood and the stress around that. That'd be a whole thing. We could do that for a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every night for a week I could, I could hang. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you're such a wealth of information. Like, well, you know, I like to fool people into thinking I know, know something once in a while. <laughs> Don't talk about my friend like that. She's a freaking genius. Um, I know. Look, look at Sadie. She's like, she was such a good girl. Oh my gosh. I was so nervous. I was like, CJ, be on hand. If you hear anything, like you're going to have to take her quickly. But she's just like, no. she's out. Yeah. Living her best life. Nice. Okay. Instagram's right. about to cut yeah. us off.
Okay. In a few seconds, but I love you. Thank you so much. You're my dream guest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.